Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and today we're jumping right into it. I'm asking you all a question, and I'm going to answer it. I'm going to have a hypothetical question from all of you, and I'm going to answer it. Should you, or anyone frankly, in this day and age, should you open up your own video game store? Seems like a fair question. Is it fun still? Is it practical? Is it possible? Is it fun? Is it worth it? Will it destroy your love of the hobby? All good questions, all good thoughts. So let's think about it. So like most podcasts these days, you know, if you've been listening to me for a while, it started off where I found some news article to talk about that related to gaming and we we dove into it and that's where the idea kind of started and I've evolved or devolved depending on how you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've evolved into, you know, looking at something more that is a topic I care more about that really irritates me. So unfortunately, that means we have less podcasts, but I think more substantive ones. So for instance, now this actually is from three weeks ago. So I'm already a little bit behind in the game, but you know, I wanted to do this because I, I brought up the old thread and it, well, it irritated me still. But so we have a Reddit thread popped up. And it was in the game collecting subreddit. And here was the question. Do you think a game store needs more than just selling games? And how many games do you think you'd need to start? And then he goes on in the post to say, I'd really like to open up a game store, but most places in my area have stores that are about $20,000 per year to rent. I'm not sure if opening a game store would be worth it or not. I was thinking of making it half game store and half like, game lounge while also maybe selling more than just games maybe adding in anime figures comic books trading card games question mark i'm open to suggestions also looking for honesty about if it's even plausible i was also considering adding food like smaller things for the lounge too but i felt like that'd be a much bigger hurdle to worry about as well so this was the reddit thread and it's funny because um i know people that commented on this and it wasn't people like you know it wasn't um it wasn't on like we didn't share it with each other you know I just happened to be reading it and I came across people that that I'm familiar with um and you know so I saw it and and in itself I see this question a lot so this isn't something that like irks me in fact I actually made a comment and said hey reach out on Twitter or if you want to message me here I'll I've had my own store for 11 years we're extremely successful I can I will happily break down everything. And I love helping people like that. I've helped other people open game stores before. I mean, it's it's so easy just to give someone a a, a head start or, or just a piece of advice, you know, and ultimately for the hobby, it's good if we have more good stores around. So, you know, but I, I love it. I love helping people. And if this guy gets to, wants to live his dream and, and, and I can help with that, then I, I love that. I love that idea. As long as he's not opening it in De Pere or Green Bay, that's <laughs> I'm pretty much open to helping. Um, but, uh, you know, but as I started reading down the comments, that's when my brain started to like, just, I don't know, it started to hurt, which happens a lot of times when I'm reading stuff on, on the internet or social media. My brain started to hurt. And then I started reading just some dumb, dumb things. And I thought, you know, if it's going to be this dumb, <laughs> I might as well make a podcast about it. And that was a couple weeks ago. And then I actually, it's funny. So, um, John, who I do this podcast with sometimes, like he showed into the store and he's like, Hey, did you see this thread on Reddit? And it was really funny. 
So anyway, so the first comment that he gets, 42 upvotes, says, Arcades, food, board games, trading cards, most of my local stores cannot survive on game alone. Figurines, memorabilia. There's also no punctuation in this sentence and random capitalization, so... I don't know um, if you want to take advice from somebody like this. <laughs> also, before actually, you know, before I get into that, let me just start a little bit with the person, though, who's asking. I got to be a little bit honest here. Um, when I see somebody put a post like this up and they're asking Reddit game collecting subreddit followers their advice on if they should open a game store, like, I think you're not far enough along in the process to make that decision. I think you need to make that decision internally. And then it's totally fine, I think, to reach out and say, hey, anyone with local game stores, what are your favorite things about them? What what does your local game store do that you don't like? And then you try to gauge like interest that way. Like that makes sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me, though, is saying, what else should I carry in my store? Uh, for instance, uh, you know, things like this, like he's I shouldn't say he necessarily it could be it could be a woman as well. So so they I, I don't know what they like if they even have a budget you know we don't like they don't include any of those details which are crucial to starting this business you know one of the first lines that they say is most places in my area have stores that are about 20,000 per year to rent well that breaks down to about 1666 dollars a month in rent which is nothing to like scoff at i pay around 24 to 2500 dollars a month in rent though and, and, you know, and you'll see as we get down to some of the comments here of the people who don't really have any idea what they're talking about, but you'll see when we get down to it that, you know, people start saying things like, oh, well, make sure you have a lot of room for this. Make sure you have a lot of room for that. Well, room costs money. Square footage costs money. And then people are saying, oh, you should have, and we'll get down to it, but, you know, people are saying things like, oh, you should have a lot, you know, get a really small space to start. Or, or find a really cheap place so rent doesn't kill you. Well, if it's really cheap, you might be A, in a bad area with no traffic. You might B, have a building that's falling apart, has issues. So, so again, these are people that just, like, you don't come to a game collecting subreddit to ask people advice about opening a game store. Because most of these people don't have a game store. Now, there are a couple that chimed in that do, myself included, and a few other people that were willing to help. So maybe it wasn't a bad idea for him, uh, for them to throw it out here but the majority of the advice that's coming through here is crap and 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 let's get into it <laughs> so like i said the first comment no no capitalization no punctuation random capitalization i should say no punctuation that's not somebody who has any idea what they're talking about so let's go on now someone thankfully did and this had 42 up upvotes uh someone replies to them and just says food question <laughs> mark you know because uh, i would agree food's a terrible idea um, to which someone else replied, my local sells things like Pocky and other Japanese candy and snacks. I think every store could benefit from a Coke fridge. That's actually a great idea. Having some sort of food. I actually have considered putting a, a fridge with energy drinks and stuff like that in it because that does sell really well. You don't make a ton of money on it, but it's something people would buy. It's add on items, you know, uh, but we don't have room for it. If, if, you know, I, I, I am completely out of room. And so that goes back to the other question. Well, how much square footage do you have? How much room do you have? Like you shouldn't be asking people like, what should I do with my store until you know how much square footage you have, how much money you're paying, what kind of, you know, like monthly bills you're going to have. Right. Um, and, and you know, so that goes on a little bit and people are saying things like, Oh, gamer energy drinks, uh, 
someone sold someone says something here which like someone just says like oh sell sodas candies energy drinks and snacks like beef jerky um i, I probably wouldn't ever do food unless it was pre-packaged which obviously beef jerky is you can get like jack's links or you know slim jims or whatever that slim jims aren't beef jerky they're beef sticks it, it, whatever <laughs> getting hung up on, te- on, on the tech side of it technicality side of it um but the idea you know is that you don't really want people walking around your store eating you don't want them leaving trash around now if you can make some really good margins on it then sure that seems possible but for the most part those things are, are little add-on items that don't add a ton of money to what you're doing and it's you know and if it's not going to add money and it's just a hassle and you have a potential for garbage and waste and food like then you know why do it essentially um this comment thankfully has negative 11 votes which means however many people upvoted it 11 more people downvoted it (laughs) um but it just says easy food yup easy stuff like eggs bacon sandwiches fried food not culinary stuff (laughs) It's just like someone typed this out and wrote it again. Thankfully, negative 11 votes. So I don't have to totally destroy this thing. Um, And then someone just says, you realize how big a mistake serving food would be in a game store. Why do you think Best Buy doesn't sell churros? Blah, blah, blah. Well, Best Buy doesn't sell churros because they're a tech store. But um, and then also the guy replies then and just says, hey, I don't run the store. I just frequent it. What they want to do inside their store is their business. Um, Okay, well, he so he's arguing that he goes to a store that sells egg bacon sandwiches (laughs) i mean don't don't get me wrong if i went to a game store and and they smelled good i probably would buy an egg bacon sandwich there but again to throw that advice out there like yep food easy stuff eggs bacon sandwiches are not easy stuff unless you're going to like quick trip and buying a bunch of them (laughs) and then flipping them right are we doing that now we're we're scalping and flipping um quick trip food um So then, you know, someone else goes on to say serving food opens up a whole extra level of getting certification and dealing with the health department, not ideal for a game shop. And then the person who made the asinine comment goes on to say, you'd be surprised what happens at my local store. Of course, it's all people who are familiar. We can drink too. Cops cool with it as well. (laughs) Like this is just somebody. (laughs) Oh my God. Don't listen to people like this. And this is the problem with the internet is that it's given everyone a voice and most people who have that voice talk out of their ass. <laughs> so, you know, you don't trust them with that. In fact, there'll be times I'm sure over the years I've been doing this podcast, I've probably said something that I was wrong about at the time and I was probably talking out of my ass. And that happens, you know? Uh, so this, uh, this, this is the big comment though. This is the one that got me like really fired up to do this. So this was a, a Reddit user and this was what his was, this was his reply and this has... 29 upvotes with a downvote from me, <laughs> but 29 total upvotes. So a bunch of people agree with this person. Degree in business here. Also worked in a small used game store for a while. Also sold a $20,000 collection online. Okay. Dude's got chops. Got some experience. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on board still. I'm, I'm listening. He goes on to say used video game stores are essentially a pawn shop just for video games. Eh, I don't like that. I don't like that at all, but okay, because a pawn shop has a totally other side business that's not related to that, but okay. The attraction to a local game store is twofold. One, people selling. They don't have to dick with anyone online. They can get money right away. Ding, that's true. Two, people buying, looking for a deal over what's online. I'm going to give this a half ding, half eh, because 
people aren't looking for a deal in stores necessarily. In fact, people are typically willing to pay 10% above eBay prices to have the stuff that they want in person to see what they're buying and to see the condition up front. So people who are buying locally in the store are not all looking for deals. Not saying they don't exist, but most people have no problem paying right at or above eBay prices. They're not just walking in to find a deal online. I learned that lesson really early on because I thought the same thing. 11 years ago, I thought the same thing. I remember I had, well, I didn't think anything would sell. I remember putting little Samson out when I had it. I had a loose cart little Samson I sold for $100, which still hurts me to this day, but I had it for $100 and I sold it. And on eBay, it was going for about $110, 120 and I sold it for 100 because in my head, this was what I thought. No one's going to spend this much money in a store for a game that rare. You're going to have to sell it online or make it worth their while. I thought that. I legitimately thought that. And here's when I learned my lesson. Someone had sold me a NES Rob the Robot bundle, complete in box, going for about $250 to $300 at the time. And I was like, no one's ever going to buy this in the store, like ever. No one's ever going to buy this. So I had it like behind the counter, behind some boxes. You could only see a little corner of it. And I had it back there and I was going to sell it on eBay, which looking back was so stupid because it was so heavy and big and bulky. I'd lose so much money on shipping. But anyway, so I have a customer coming. Actually, he's a friend of mine now. His name is Gabe. Um, and he sees it at the time we weren't friends. It was like one of his first times in the store. And he sees it and he goes, hey, is that, a, is that an NES with Rob the Robot inside? And all you can see is literally a four inch by four inch corner of this thing. And I go, yeah. He goes, is it for sale? And I went, yeah. How much? I was like, oh, 300. I'll take it. Like, didn't even bat an eye. He had no chill. He didn't negotiate. He just went, I'll take it. Like, okay. And right then I learned my lesson was that people will pay the price of eBay and would even be willing to pay more. I don't charge more than eBay. I, I mean, I try not to. Obviously, prices fluctuate and sometimes stuff goes down and we haven't adjusted the price. It does happen. But for the most part, you know, we're, we try to be right at what we feel is the average of eBay sales based on the condition of the item. And I learned my lesson right there is that people will pay even more than eBay if they get to see it in person, they get to see the condition, and they get to hold it, physically hold it. So that's the part about people buying. Um, so I disagree with him on the second part. Uh, so already like four sentences in, I'm already like, okay, well, this guy, like for someone who has, first of all, a degree in business is, is like, who gives a shit? I mean, like no offense to anybody who has a degree in business, but like a degree in business doesn't really mean anything. You know, that doesn't mean you have experience doing anything. It doesn't mean you understand business. Like, yes, you probably understand things like profit margins and you took classes on, on, you know, balancing your books and stuff like that. But like, it doesn't really connect to understanding real world business until you've had a real world business yourself. But to be fair, they also did work in a small used game store for quote unquote a while. So I don't know how long that is, but definitely working the game store, you'll see that. I would argue though, not as an owner. I don't know how much of the books he saw. I don't know how much he saw besides just the day to day. And then of course he sold, they sold their own collection online, um, which, so you have experience dealing with customers, but a totally different situation. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So let's keep going on. Uh, the, the, the Redditor goes on to say the store I worked at would take in product. Anything over a certain monetary threshold would be pulled to be listed on eBay. This is honestly where most of the money was made. Well, 
yeah, no shit. If you pull your most expensive stuff and then sell it on eBay, that's where you're making most money. That doesn't mean you wouldn't have sold it in the store if you put it in the store. Like, a doy. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, he goes on to explain it works like this. Someone brings in a $100 game. You offer them 30%, $33. You list the game on eBay. After eBay fees, PayPal fees, and shipping, about 20%, you get $78. Your net profit is $45. You have overhead, labor, rent, utilities, but you should still pull a pretty decent profit margin even if you had to scale up, i.e. 10 times a $10 games would get you the same return. Now, here's an issue that I have right away. So this is part of the issue I have in general with people buying and selling right now is that everyone wants to talk about percentages, right? Everybody talks about percentages. Like I get calls all the time. What percent do you pay? Or people just ask me, what percent do you pay? And if you pay 1%, like, I mean, if you pay one set value of percent, not 1%, but one set value, like here, for instance, they pay 30%. If you pay 30% on everything, you're crazy because there's some things like us, for instance, I'm fully, um, uh, I, I like to be t- totally transparent about this. When we sell a $5, when we buy a $5 game, like a $4.99 game, I pay a dollar for that. So I'm only paying 20%. So you could look at that and go like, only 20%, dude, that's terrible. But that's because it's a $5 game. We most likely have a bunch of them. And when we sell it, we make a whopping $4. You know what I mean? So if you did 30% on that, you know, you're, you're, you're paying, it's essentially like, well, I guess it's not much more than like, a buck 50 like a buck 75 or whatever so we're not even paying that much lower but like with a game that cheap you're not making very much now on a game that's a hundred dollars we're paying closer to 60 bucks on that so we're paying 60 percent on a game that's a hundred dollars why because when we sell it we make 40 bucks so yes we're still making more money than the four dollars we sold we made earlier but we so, but we're putting more money in the bank. So this whole idea of a set percentage doesn't make any sense. And I get asked this a lot. I get asked this a lot like, oh, if I have a collection worth 10000 will you pay me 6000 for it? I'm like, okay, well, it depends. Are they all $5 games? Or do you have three, three you know, or do you have five $2,000 games? If it's five $2,000 games, yeah, I could I could pay that much. But if if we're talking it's, it's, it's $10,000 games, then no, I can't pay 60 cents a piece on each of those dollar games. It doesn't make any sense. There's, you know, you'd have to sell 10,000 games to get square, 6,000 games to get square. And then the the rest 4,000 games you'd have to sell to make profit. So right away, this like irritates me that there's a percent that they pay. And then not to mention that they, they talk about like, they literally say it's a hundred dollar game and you pay them $33. I mean, that's crap. And I'm the first to say it now. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, I've, I've explained this before, but if you're new and maybe haven't, what I would say is this is how it is now. And I don't know when this person worked in a game store, but when I first opened in 2011, collecting was very different. And part of what goes into what you pay is the factor of, is it going to go down in price or up in price before I sell it? Now, most of the time, things go down in price, or I should say in 20, in the, in the, in the early 2010s, things were only really going down. There were some collectibles going up. Obviously retro gaming was starting to take off, but the idea was that, you know, PS2, PS1, PS2, PS3 games, they were all pretty static in price. And you had to assume that you were going to lose money on that. So that's why you paid on the, on the 30 to 40% range. Well, now not counting this summer as things are dipping down again because it's the summer and that's how it always goes. But like over the last 11 years, as we watched 
retro game prices skyrocket, you could pay more because you weren't worried about losing your ass on that game because it was never going to drop below what you paid for it. It's either going to stay where it is or it's going to slowly uptick. And of course, you can change the price if you want. We don't do that. Like we pay, we buy a game for a price to sell at a price. Um, and so like my, my theory was always like, say it's a $5 game you bought and it's been sitting on the shelf for four years and now it's a $10 game. Like, are you going to up a game that you couldn't sell for $5 up to $10 and try to sell it? Or are you going to leave it at five and hope that someone comes in and goes, what a great deal. And they buy it. Um, so, so that, that irritated me right away. Just the whole kind of, here's our flat percent. But he obviously being having a degree, having a degree in business and all understands things like you have overhead, labor, rent, utilities, all this, but doesn't go into any specifics. And then goes on to say your day is going to be selling a lot on eBay. Just the necessity to making a profit. Eh, here's another big, you know, family feud. Eh, because I don't sell anything on eBay. I don't sell anything on eBay. You don't need to sell on eBay. And I could make an argument if this were like a high school debate club. I could make an argument that says selling on eBay is actually slowly killing your business and you don't even know it. I could make that argument. Now, for instance, it depends on your area. You know, let's let's talk about New York, for instance. New York has, I don't know how many people, 10 million people? Maybe? I don't know. Who knows? How many people how many people live in New York? I don't know. Don't really care. It doesn't really matter. But there's a lot more people that live in Green Bay. So in New York, you have a lot more potential customers. You could piss off probably 10 people a day till the end of time, and you would never, ever run out of customers. Green Bay, you piss off 10 people a day, you're going to be out of customers a lot quicker. Same thing goes when you're taking your best product that comes into your store and you're shipping it off to parts unknown. So you sell something on eBay. Someone brings in a rare game to you, you buy it, you sell it on eBay instantly. You don't sell it to someone local who might keep it around, who might sell it back to you later. That happens all the time. People buy things. I've had people that built up their collection over the last six or seven years and they're coming in to sell to me now. And we're seeing a ton of product coming in of just old customers that we built up these great rapports with. And they're saying, hey, you know, it's time. I'm thinking about buying a house. I've got a, I've got a kid now and I want to buy or I want to buy a new car. I'm just going to sell my game collection. It happens all the time. If I had shipped all those games out on eBay, none of that stuff's coming home. None of that stuff's coming back to the store. Repeat business is ultimately what makes a game store successful. And it doesn't have to just do with trades or just with sales. Like most companies would say, yeah, repeat business is how we stay alive. It's also for the trade-ins because a used game store is such a weird, it's such a weird um, dynamic of a business compared to most businesses because our customers don't just buy our product. We don't just go to a wholesaler, buy a bunch of stuff and then sell it to customers and then see them the next time. We have to buy most of our product from customers. And and it's a really weird dynamic that way. Like you don't go to McDonald's, like McDonald's doesn't get their beef from local farmers, you know, or they don't get their hamburgers from local, like people don't trade in their hamburgers and then you buy it from McDonald's. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, or, or Best Buy, let's, let's use a more realistic example. Like Best Buy, people don't, Best Buy doesn't need customers to bring them in stereos and TVs to sell that they then sell to us. They, they buy them from, from a manufacturer, from a wholesaler. So our business is weird that way. We we have to buy from a customer. So if you take your best product and you ship it out to parts unknown around the United States, you're never going to see that come back. And and so the idea that you have to sell on eBay to survive is is just maddening to me. Not only is it inaccurate, 
but it's 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 actually uh, detrimental to your business. And, and I've I've had this argument with people before. And again, not every game store is the same. You know, if I was in New York and I was getting just bags and bags and bags of trades like every single day, of course, you'd probably put a bunch of stuff online. You know, you got 10 copies of Rule of Rose or 10 copies of, you know, Little Samson. Of course, you should sell some of those online because you're probably never going to sell them all locally. But why wouldn't you keep most of them locally or have one on eBay all the time? When you sell it, you put another one up, sell it, put another one up, you know, that sort of thing. Anyway, the Redditor goes on to say, these are all hypotheticals. The actual day-to-day can vary. I've looked into starting my own business, and you're looking at 80-hour work weeks for about three years till you can establish reliable staff and procedures. This is so stupid. This is like, so I read this, and this is like now I'm getting irritated even more because, yes, he just admits that these are hypotheticals, and I don't know where you learn that. Did you learn that in business school, or did you see the owner of the used game store you worked at do this? But when I, okay, so when I opened Game Trade, I was open six days a week and I worked, I was open 10 hour days. So I worked, I would say between 60 and 70 hours a week. So that's realistic. Working more than a 40 hour work week is very realistic when you start your own business. So that's not wrong. At, you're looking at 80 hour work weeks. Okay. I, I was killing myself at 60 to 70 working an 80 hour work week is like ridiculous. Um, that's not even like, I don't know. It's just such an asinine number. You know, if he had said, Hey, you're looking to working a lot more than an average 40 hour week job like that, I would agree with that, but just try 80 hours a week. Get out of here. You know, it's just, it's so dumb. It's just, it's just like, like, it's such a, like, you're not going to work double what a normal person works typically, unless you start counting like the, oh, I was at home and on my computer and I went on Facebook marketplace looking for deals and I was chatting with people about games. Like, I guess if you count that as work, maybe, but you know, so whatever you're looking at working 80 hours a week for about three years, which it's almost every single person in the world would burn out before that was done. I worked, I worked. 60 hour weeks. And then I actually closed early on Saturdays for a while. So I was down to, I was putting myself down to like 55 hour weeks. And, and here's the thing though, when you start your own business, especially when I first started mine, it wasn't super busy. So like, even though I was working 20 more hours a week than I did at GameStop, I felt way less stressed. It was incredible feeling actually. Like I was always at the store and it sucked being like locked down, but I played earthbound. I played other games. Like when you're, when you have downtime, you can do things. Um, so, you know, so anyway, whatever for three years, again, that's an arbitrary number. You don't know that it's going to take you three years to turn a profit. Like, yes, if you read a a business book, it'll tell you things like most businesses don't turn a profit for three years. And you're like, okay, well, yeah, I guess. Um, then that means you'd have to have three years of capital to work with, which if you don't know what that is, capital is like money you have on hand it's it's your it's your access to funds so that if you need money for something you can you know it's it's money you have on hand basically and so you know this person talks about needing three years to establish reliable staff and procedures so i worked all by myself for a year and a half and then i hired my first employee as a part-timer just to work two days a week so that i could be open Sunday through Saturday and then have off Sundays and Tuesdays. So then I went down to about 50 hours a week. So that was after a year and a half. And then when I hired Dave about a a half a year after that, about two, about two and a half years 
after I'd had the store, I hired Dave and then I, he worked three days a week and I went down to 40 hours a week and he went down to 40 and he was at 40 hours a week. So, I mean, not saying it won't take a couple years. Like, I agree with the sentiment that you need to put a lot of work. You need to front load a lot of the work. If you just start hiring people right away, then you're going to piss away all your money. Like, I, I, I agree with that sentiment. But the idea that it's 80-hour work weeks for three years, like, it, it looks like he's trying to scare him off of it or he's trying to look like he's a super business expert. Again, 29 people agreed with him, unfortunately. Um, so then he goes on to say, not saying it wouldn't be fun. Retro gaming is my hobby. So going into work, knowing I get to clean a bunch of rare old video games makes me super excited. But that's not what you do with most of your day. So I don't know, like, again, I don't know what game store, what mythical game store this guy worked in. But yes, are some days like this in the last couple of days, we've been cleaning about 100 NES games to go out. Is that fun? <sighs> Maybe the first like year you're open. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love looking at the stuff. But I don't like having to open up every NES and clean garbage off of it and then clean spider webs off of games that have been in the basement for 20 years. Like, that's not fun. It's fun to see the stuff. It's fun to talk about it and be like, oh, cool, look what I got. And you guys, if, if you follow me on Twitter, you've seen my pictures where I like to clean up a cart and like get the rental stickers off it and make it look like restore it back to regular. Like, yeah, I like that. I like I think that's cool. But that's not like that's not because I love retro gaming. That's because I like improving something and making sure whoever buys it gets a good product. Um, so then he goes on to say, and th this, this is where like, it, so at this point, the wheels are off, man, we're off the rails, the, the wheel, how, whatever analogy you want to use, the wheels have come off, we're off the rails, whatever. And then he goes to say, but look at someone like DK oldies. They're probably the most successful quote unquote, in terms of video game reselling. They post videos on their behind the scenes stuff, what their warehouse and inventory system looks like. I'm not trying to talk you out of it, but it's a lot of the boring parts of collecting just really amplified. So, okay, let's talk about DK oldies. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, um, sidetrack here a little bit, because if you don't know what DK oldies is, DK oldies is a video game selling website. They've been around for a while. If you've ever sold a lot of stuff on eBay, you've probably sold a lot of stuff to them because what they do is they look for anything that they consider to be like a good or decent price on something. They buy it on eBay, uh, clean it up, and then overprice the shit out of it on their website. So they don't even, like, I think they sell on eBay as well, but, like, the, like for instance, um, let's take a look here. This is the, this is Retro Deals. This is right on their homepage, okay? This is a fan favorite Wii Sports bundle pack. It comes with Wii Sports, Wii Sports Resort, a Wii system with two remotes and two nunchucks, for $234.99. Wah, bah, wah? Wah, bah, wah? Okay, let's break it down in case you're not, you know, in case you don't own a game store and you don't know the price of this stuff every single day like I do. Wii Sports Resort, $25. Wii Sports, $20. That's, we're up to $45. The Wii system itself, $70. So we're at uh, $115 if you're keeping track at home. Um, also, when we sell our Wii system with, uh, for $70, that's with a remote nunchuck. So basically, they're only including an extra remote nunchuck. So an extra remote, uh, we'll say it's a Motion Plus, even though this picture does not show a Motion Plus remote. So we'll say it's Motion Plus just to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's $25. An extra nunchuck is $10. That's another $35. So we have $25, $20, so that's $45, plus another $35. That puts us at $80, plus $70 for the Wii. It's $150. 
If you came to my store retail, bought this at my store, it'd be $150. They're selling it for, and don't get me wrong, it's not, they're selling it marked at $299.99, $300, marked down to $234.99. Like, what a deal. What a deal. They're giving you a deal, you guys. They took 65 bucks off the price. Now take another $100 off the price and you might actually have a good deal. So this is kind of DK Oldies in a nutshell, though. So they overpriced the hell out of everything. Um, I'll do one more here real quick. It's an N64 system with two controllers, Smash Brothers, Mario Kart. It's normally $359.99, but for you... Listeners, there's a special fan favorite price of $299.99. So $300. $300. An N64 system with one control and all the hookups from my store is $100. Extra controller, official brand used is $25. That's $125. Mario Kart goes between $30 and $35. Let's, let's give them the $35. So that puts us up to $160. Smash Brothers is between $40 and $50. We'll say $50. So that's $210. So if you bought all that retail at my store, you're spending $210. Or... From these knobs, you can buy it for $299.99. It's ridiculous. Don't ever, Please don't ever buy from DK Oldies. Like, please don't ever. They, they, it makes me mad. And they do a bunch of, like, TikToks and dumb shit like that. So they get people like, check out these old games. And they show their warehouse. Like, you can see Facebook ads for them, too. I actually had to stop because of my interests. It kept showing them to me. And I'm like, just don't show me this shit anymore. I can't. I can't even with this stuff. It's just garbage. Um, and so, like, but let's let's take a look at, like, Nintendo games. So I'm just going to click on the NES tab. NES games. The website's okay. It kind of sucks, but it's okay. So they're selling Mario 3. $35 marked down to $18.99. It's on sale, boys and girls. Now, $18.99 for Mario 3 is actually a good price. All right. Good, good for you. Legend of Zelda Gold Cart. $69.99. Marked down, though, for you, my listeners. $39.99, which is about $10 overpriced right now. Um, you know, Mike Tyson's punch out $79.99 marked down $54.99. I sell Mike Tyson's punch out for like $35. So it's, it's, they're just overpriced, but here's what they do. They'll go on eBay. They'll see somebody selling Mike Tyson's punch out, which sells for about 30 to 35 bucks. They'll, they'll see when someone's selling it for 25, they'll scoop it. In fact, they have bots and they have um, al like algorithms basically that will find deals on things they want and will buy them like auto purchase. They have bots set up. And so they'll buy your Mike Tyson's at 25, which is, is a deal. They could still sell it at 35, not really on eBay on their website. They could make the money because they don't have to pay the eBay fees. But then they sell it on their website for 55. So they're basically scooping up all of this retro product at just under whatever it sells for and then they jack the price up ridiculously um contra here's another good one 69.99 marked down to 64.99 only a five dollar markdown in this game for whatever reason 65 dollars for contra is bonkers it's 40 dollars all day um you know it's just this whole thing is stupid it's really irritating so anyway so that's dk oldies and that's what this Reddit poster was saying. Look at someone like DK Oldies. They're the most successful in terms of video game reselling. What, what do you... <laughs> okay. But that's not even the point he's making, oddly enough. Besides the fact that DK Oldies sucks, the point he's making is that the lot of... He considers the boring parts of collecting to be inventory, warehousing... And he love and this Reddit Redditor loves the cleaning part. So we're like, okay, so there's a guy who loves to clean the games but hates the boring parts of collecting, like inventory. <laughs> it's like, 
I don't know. This I I don't understand this at all. And and if if by some crazy chance you are listening and you're a listener and you're the one who made this comment, uh reach out to me and I will totally debate you on any of the stuff on the podcast in a, in a very fair, uh, safe way. I, I, I just don't, I just can't agree with any of this stuff. Like, like we've gone completely off the rails now of anything that makes any semblance of sense. Um, so the, uh, the Redditor goes on to say, like when I got a really big collection, I ended up with situations where I had doubles and triples of stuff and needed to resell it. And then storing and sorting my collection, not just displaying stuff, had to maintain a spreadsheet of what I owned. You'd have all that on a scale you needed to live off of, add in the general public, plus staffing issues. So now, I don't know, he's throwing in like weird just words now. I don't this I don't know kind of where he's going. He's basically saying that like, you know, you, you can get a POS system that has your inventory in it. Um, admittedly, that costs money too, right? Everything costs money. Every Everything that helps you has a cost. Um, and then, uh, one final, uh, nugget from this, this guy, it's not uncommon where you find someone in the first three years of a business who will be your GM and you're actually giving them a significant portion of your profit just so you don't have to work there. I.e. you're working there 80 hours a week for three years, making 80,000 a year, which <laughs> Jesus Christ, these numbers, <laughs> like they're so, they're so stupidly hypothetical. Because if, if there, as it says, where you have to work by yourself, look, if you're working by yourself, okay, and you're making $80,000 a year, hire somebody for Christ's sake. Good Lord. Hire somebody. Don't, don't kill yourself. I, I think the first year game trade was open. It wasn't a full year. It was like middle of April to, of 2011 to the end of 2011. And I think I broke even. Then I want to say, I think in 2012, I think the whole store made maybe 20 to $30,000 maybe question mark. And then after that, it just, it's been increasing ever since then. But like to think, you know, to basically say that, cause they, they said it here, you could be working 80 hour weeks for three years, but then talks about how you're making 80,000 a year. Some guy comes along and he does, <laughs> oh, sorry, let me read it because it's actually worse when I actually read it. Um, you're working there 80 hours a week for three years, making about 80,000 a year. Some guy comes along and is competent and doesn't obviously steal a ton from you. So you're willing to give them 40,000 out of your 80,000 just so you don't have to go in anymore. Kind of how the operation runs. (laughs) That is not at all how the operation runs. (laughs) So if, (laughs) so this person's like, okay, work 80 hour weeks for three years. You're making 80000 a year. Then you find some guy who doesn't steal a ton from you. It's okay if he steals a little from you, apparently. As long as he doesn't steal a ton. Give him 40000 a year out of your 80000 a year, and then you don't ever have to go to work again. Boom. <laughs> this is, like, it's so stupid. It's just absolutely stupid. Uh, like, final line, kind of how the operation runs. Um, no. Sorry to burst your bubble. No. That's not how the operation runs. Um, there's lots of different paths though. My path is not the only way. Lots of game stores have started differently. Some buy an existing store and rebrand and do things differently. There's lots of different paths. Um, but this person doesn't understand what they're talking about, uh, unfortunately. And, and so they're giving bad advice to somebody, which is ultimately the whole point of what I was talking about here. Uh, so, you know, then the person, the OP replies, yeah, it's, I, I kind of figured a lot of that too. I didn't really think about also selling on eBay part, but that's good to know. 
Uh, also, I definitely want a big internet presence like DK Oldies does with their videos. Like, just just stop. You don't need that. Okay, now, if you want to be an internet celebrity, you want to be a, a YouTuber, you want to be, go do that. Don't open a game store and then try to use that as some way to become sort of some sort of internet celebrity. And yes, of course, there's marketing and there's cross-marketing. And, and I have an online presence that I use mostly for fundraising, but also for, for growing my brand, of course. But like, you can't start off and be like, yeah, I definitely want to be like DK Oldies online with these abrasively annoying commercials. Like, okay, but that costs money too. <laughs> so like, he, he doesn't understand the cost of anything. Um, which, which is ultimately why you don't ask the internet for help. Um, but this is what I love. So after that comment where he says about, I want to have big internet presence like DK oldies. So someone replies, depending on how big your town is selling on eBay can be a shot in the foot. We had a local game store here that had a constant supply of great games. The owner started selling online and slowly depleted the town of anything decent. You have to be in a large enough town or you could run to the same issue. Oh, I've, I've done it. People. I've stumbled across somebody on the internet with a brain. <laughs> it did happen. <laughs> um, but here's my favorite part. So below that, there's a comment. My local game store sells nothing online, and he's been killing it for like 10 years. The stores that sell everything online don't have cool shit in store that keeps people coming in to see what's new. Now, that username of that person was WD Combo. Interesting. Now, who's that? Who do we know on this show that has a Twitter handle that's drier combo? Oh, yeah, it's my boy, John. So so John shows up, and this was before I got to the post. He'd already seen it, and he'd already commented on it. And so basically just said, like, yeah, dude, Greg's store basically kills it and doesn't sell anything on eBay and brings the whole, like, you know, the whole, brings the whole thing into play. Uh, and then the, the, the person who made the comment about how eBay could hurt your business said, exactly. I talked to another store owner, a town over. He told me that aside from three or four plus regular collectors, he's seen a steady return rate from most customers. He told me that he would rather sell games about 10% lower than online prices to keep customers happy and resellers to a minimum and keep making 50% profit two to six times per year when a game is traded in than 50% profit minus eBay fees once. Oh my God, I'd love to know the name of that game store owner. I, I, it almost makes me wonder if like, I know this person too. I don't think I've ever had this conversation with somebody and those numbers are different than I would probably say, but it's, it's interesting. So whoever the game store that this person talked to, I like that person and I'd like to talk business with them more because they seem like they got their head on straight. And then of course I replied to John. I said, I love seeing you on Reddit and I gave him a little smoochy emoji. Uh, and then John said that I told this guy to seek out on Twitter to possibly pick your brain. And then I had left the same message. Uh, so, uh, but then we're still in the replies of the comment of the business degree person. And so someone replies $33 for a hundred dollar game. That seems low. My local store pays closer to 60% of what something's listed for on eBay. Maybe they just pay more than the average store. And then someone below that replied said, they do. My local game store pays 15 to 20% of eBay and they sell on Amazon, which is more than eBay prices. <laughs> so they're really ripping people off. But here's the thing. It, it, it all depends on your situation. If I was in a big town the size of Green Bay and I was the only game store in town, I probably could get away with that. You still wouldn't get the best stuff because anybody who knows... And, and it's not the majority. I've, I talk about this occasionally on here, and I've talked about this on CC Games uh, podcast, if you ever listen to that, when I've been on. And we kind of talk about the average gamer isn't who you think it is. Like, the average gamer isn't, like, 
the people on Twitter and Reddit and the game collectors, that's not the average video gamer. The average gamer is much less informed than that, and they don't care. And that's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So the average gamer would bring you a game that might be $100. And if your plan is to buy everything for 25%, so you pay $25 for it, they may not know better. They might even look at it and go, wow, for an old game, 25 bucks, sweet. But somebody who does know, so the above average gamer is going to come in and be like, hey, I got this Earthbound, um, you know, I'm switching over to emulation. It's a $300 cartridge. Like, I'm looking to sell it. What would you offer me? And you offer that person 20%, which is 60 bucks. Um, they're going to look at you and be like, uh, are you kidding me? 60 bucks? And they're not going to do it. And, and then that person will most likely never come back in and try to buy anything from you or sell anything to you. So, yeah, I guess it depends, you know, if if your market dictates that you're the only place in town and if you've got so much stuff coming in that you can pay whatever you want, great, because it's supply and demand, it's simple business, you know, supply and demand. If like for instance, we have a lot of Xbox 360 and PS3 games coming in, mostly 360. Let's say 360, mostly 360 games coming in. And some games we have 10 to 15 copies of already. So the harsh truth of it is, and I don't mean this to sound rude, but the harsh truth is we don't really care if we get that or not. If you want to sell it to us and we want to dictate what price we're willing to pay for it when we have that many, then we'll buy it from you. But it, you know, unfortunately you have no leverage as the customer when we have 10 copies of a game and we don't actually really want it. It goes back to something my dad used to do when he had his roofing company and I would work summers with him and you know, he'd look at a job and he'd look at me and he'd go, Hey, Hey Greg, like, I don't really want to do this job. Look how steep the roof is. Look how old the house is. This is going to be a lot of work. He's like, I don't really want to do this one. We can find easier jobs. And so my dad would give them an estimate that was way higher than, you know, he would ever charge on a roof that size. And basically he's doing that because he's pricing himself out of the job. He's basically saying, I don't want to do this job, but I would do it for this amount of money. But I'm pricing myself out of the running because I don't really want to do it. And sometimes the person would say, okay, here's a check. And my dad would say, all right, Craig, get on that roof, dude. <laughs> but then sometimes the most people would go, okay, well, we're going to check other places. Um, now, admittedly, if that person's looking for more work, they may not come back to my dad. Because they might have said, hey, this guy was overpriced. We don't want to go back. Now, flipping to my business, I have 15 copies of Mass Effect 2 at the store right now for 360. Great game. Outstanding game. Sold a lot of copies. Means there's a lot of copies out there. So when someone comes in right now, and you can, you, I, I hope no, this doesn't make anyone scoff or hate me, but legitimately, if someone comes in and wants to sell me that game and the discs are in good shape, you're going to get 30 cents for it. And here's the thing. I, I would take it for 30 cents. It's worth 30 cents to me. Is the game a three to $4 game like on marketplace or on eBay? Yeah, you could sell it for a lot more. Um, but to me, that's what it's worth. And so it depends on your market, right? So say, you know, maybe they could pay 15 to 20% because there's no other game stores around. And every day they've got people bringing them totes and totes of stuff. And if that's the case, you get to pay whatever you want because you, they might not even be able to get through it all. You know, and if that's the case, good on them. They're probably making tons of money. Um, we don't really run into that issue. Like we pay very fairly, but we do get a lot of trades. So, you know, we probably like in some instances, like I just told you with the 360 games, we, we lower our prices on those 
because ultimately if if someone says oh you know what i want more than that i'd say okay totally understandable and i always say that like i don't blame you for not selling it to me for 30 cents i wouldn't sell a game for 30 cents i would be like oh i'll just keep it or i'll give it to a friend great you could give that game to a friend and then be like experience this awesome game and that'd be worth more than the 30 cents but it depends on your market you know supply and demand you know it's 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 true it's just how it is um plus I know at some point I could take all those games that I pay for 30 cents, pack them all up in a box, ship them on e- and sell them on eBay and do like a lot of a hundred games for a hundred bucks. Basically after shipping, make nothing. And after eBay fees, make nothing and then just get rid of it. You know, I mean, I know I could do that. Also the case is worth 30 cents. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all kind of factors into the decision of the offer you make. But if I don't get that copy of mass effect, I'm not, I'm not shedding any tears. You know what I'm saying? I guess is my point. So, with that being said, let's just keep going. There's there's a few more comments I want to get to, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Um, this person just said, all I want from a game store is not slap a giant sticker on the case. <laughs> um, stickers aren't bad uh, if you get non-adhesive stickers. Most, most places don't do this, and a lot of places stickers are terrible, and I feel you. If you follow me on Twitter, you've seen some of the stickers I've gotten off of things, and it's fun to share, but not fun to do. <laughs> it's fun to share when it's done. Um, and then, but then here the OP says, you know, I'd most likely put everything in plastic cases with a sticker on that instead. Okay. But that costs money too. You know? So yes, you want to do all these great things. You know what I want to have? I want to have TVs all over my store playing old video game commercials because I think that'd be sweet. Doesn't make me any money and TVs cost a bunch of money. and Electricity costs money. That's why I haven't done it. You know, just little things like that. Um, this person, uh, most game stores host card game tournaments. It's like, okay, well, sure, you can do that. I know a lot of game stores that also carry trading cards and like magic cards and Pokemon cards are crazy popular right now and lots of money being made in that scene, a lot more than in video games. Not a bad idea. But if you're a video game collector and a video game fan and you don't know anything about those things, it's hard to be in a business like that. You have to be genuine. Like if if you are passionate about games like I am, that's part of why I'm successful because people want to come and talk to me. And they want to share in that that passion of of game collecting and game knowledge, you know. Um, if you don't know, anything, like that's why I've never gotten into like Warhammer and all other stuff because I don't know anything about it, and I don't want to have customers know more about my products than I do. It just seems weird. Like, why would they come to my store then? You know. Um, let's see. Um, then the the OP's asking, does that seem profitable? I've seen a few places that have hung around, but I sometimes question if they're making enough to provide for like a family and like, Oh my God. So this guy's got a family and he's saying, well, like, this is, this is all factors that like we needed to know ahead of time before anyone's spouting off this just terrible, terrible advice. Um, so this person just replies to make money. They either have to offer less than market value for trade-ins or sell games for more than market value. I mean, <laughs> does anyone understand like how, how anything commerce works? Yes, for a business to be successful, shocking news, everybody. Someone calls CBS. I got a shocking news story. For a store to be successful, they have to buy something for less than they sell it at. <laughs> oh, my God. My head hurts. You know, it's just, yes, duh. And then this person just goes, this means they have to offer less than market value. I saw another comment suggesting game stores operate like pawn shops. Sometimes people don't want to be bothered selling, and sometimes people just need money fast. This is how brick-and-mortar stores keep the lights on. Not really. We offer a personal touch. We offer a place where people can come in and actually see the product in advance and talk to people about the product. 
I have people legitimately come in and ask me like, hey, what, what are good Genesis games? They, they buy games based on my opinion as well. They don't just look online for a top 100 Genesis games IGN article from 10 years ago. Um, you know, and, and so it's just, it's just weird that like everyone seems to have this idea that brick and mortar is dying and that there is, there's no shops anymore. That's so far from accurate, but you can't be a shitty brick and mortar store anymore. Like you used to get away with that. You could just be a crappy store, but if you needed shoes, there's only one shoe store to go to. Well, now the internet has opened up the marketplace a billion different ways. So you can't have a subpar business anymore in person. If you, if you want to be a successful brick and mortar store, then you have to have something that they don't have online, which is incredible customer service and incredible products. Like it's not, you know, so it's not, it's not brick and mortar that's dying. It's the idea of just existing just because you've got no competition is the idea that's dying. Um, let's see here. Then, uh, you should also look at how many of these types of stores are in your area, possibly how many failed in the last couple of years. Starting out, you need an idea of demand and competition. That's a very smart comment. The OP replies, the closest game store around me is 40 minutes to an hour away in both directions, north and south. I live in a populated area, South Florida, and plenty of game collectors and buyers with plenty of game stops, but nothing like a specialty shop like I'm thinking. That sounds like a great place to put a game store. Filling in the gaps makes a lot of sense. And GameStop isn't a competitor. Um, Kevin from CC Games, like he will, um, he will, he'll argue this with me. Maybe we we talk about this a lot in his podcast. But I actually think GameStop helps small game stores because one, their prices, their buyback prices are not very good. Uh, so when you when you come in and you pay more, you look like a rock star because they've set the bar so low, you don't even have to like jump to get over it. And then on the flip side, they're pre-ordering new games for people getting people to buy new games, bringing games into the market that people, if they like your buyback prices, will sell to you instead. Instead of taking them back to GameStop, they'll sell it to you. And then you sell it to somebody else and then they sell it back to you because you pay more, thus infusing your you know, cycle of life. Um, this person goes on to say, the sky's the limit. I think people would love a store or a lounge. I sure would, he says. If you do go into business, don't be afraid to start small. When people go into business with multi-level big ideas, they tend to bite off more than they can chew start as a small business with just games you can do that out of your garage if you have one start small build a clientele expand when you have money this person's very sound advice uh to which the op replies yeah definitely starting small would probably be the way to go of course i have a lot to look into but the idea of doing this being my my own boss really excites me well good i would admit that uh, being my own boss is good except that i'm harder on myself than any boss i ever had was just, just being honest, like I, I, I was more strict and more harsh on myself than any boss I ever had was. I treated myself like how, you know, like my expectations of my employees, I held myself to that same standard. Um, so yeah, it's great, but it takes a special person to be their own boss. You have to be completely self-motivated to be able to get out of bed and get to work on a day when you know it's tough and you're the only one there and you got something to do. Like there was even a day, I shouldn't be proud of this. I'm not really, it's more just fitting for the story. But like in 20, 2012, I think it would have been, cause I was still by myself. I, I don't know what hit me. It was, I don't know if it was the flu. I don't know what it was, but I, I woke up and I just felt just hammered. Like my head was pounding and bumping. I, I went to urgent care at 8.30 in the morning, got a steroid shot, and then went to the store and worked from 10 to 8. And while I was working, I remember <laughs> this very vividly. 
I went to get a game out for someone. Like I went to get the the gut, like a disc for the case. And I'm 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 like I have the drawer open, and I've got like I'm leaning on the drawer, like it's holding me up. I'm just leaning on the drawer, and the guy just goes, "Are you okay, man?" <laughs> like I must have looked dead, you know. And and I don't know what it ended up being because the next day I was fine. So I don't know what the steroid shot did. I don't know like what I had. It was a one day cold or something, but it just blew me up for that day. And I still went to work. Now, did I have to? No. Could I have put a sign in the door saying, you know, closed uh, for a sick day? Like, of course. And people will understand. Unfortunately, at that time, I didn't think so. I was so worried about my store failing that I, I just couldn't imagine that being a possibility. Um, and then let's see. Then this person goes on to say, I would Google minimum value product. It's an idea that startups use when they launch an app or launch a product of sale, but lots of concepts might help the idea. I don't know what he's talking. About. Don't don't do that. If you're opening a game store, you don't need to figure out minimum value product. That's that you don't need to do that. Um, let's see here. Uh, this person says there's two stores local to me. One sells games and records. The other sells games and trading cards. The main thing is, and I actually really like this comment. I actually upvoted this comment, and that's a rare for me. I don't like to upvote anything. Two stores local to me. The main thing is you need to be ready to start buying from day one. You don't want someone to bring you a box of games you can't afford to buy. You want to be the place that people bring their yard sale finds to and be the able to find that business churning. You need cash. Don't be afraid to sell online. If you have a game in the shop for $49.99, you paid $25 for. Don't be afraid to put it on eBay for $46.99 if it's not selling in store. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. In fact, I, I'm going to start... I've been talking about that a lot. Like I've got some Coleco and Atari games that have been in my glass case for over a year. They're not selling, man. Put them on eBay, get them somewhere where they'll, they'll actually sell. And, and I feel like if I've had something in store for a year and it didn't sell, I don't have any problem with my notion of still not, of still claiming I don't sell stuff on eBay because I'm leaving everything in the store. If I leave it there for a year and it hasn't sold, that's not that my customers had a chance (laughs) to buy it, you know? Um, this one, uh, my other piece of advice would be don't look to hire people too quickly. Labor can eat away your profits and call a local accountant and ask to sit down with them for an hour or two and go over your idea and discuss how to establish a business, how to report income, pay taxes, and maybe for a referral to someone who sells commercial insurance. This person's great. Their, their Reddit username is that bank teller. So they're a smart person and thank you for your nice comment. Um, and then below that, there was somebody, this person's been commenting in other things. I don't know if it was smart comments or dumb comments. Let me scroll back up real quick. Uh, it doesn't matter. But they said, uh, this person replied and said, big thing you're forgetting is the OPS to be able to separate himself from the hobby side and the business side. I mean, there'll be a lot of times he gets stuff he wants or needs traded in, but to ruin a business, you can't just use store money to build your own collection. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's true. I mean, yes, but it's kind of like it's it's your store. It's your stuff, you know, do, do whatever you want with it. But yes, you sometimes need to sell things to make money. I mean, that is accurate. Um, and to be fair, I sold my whole collection when I opened the store and it's taken me 11 years to build it back up to where it is now. And arguably my collection's bigger than it's ever been. And it's great, but that was through the store, you know, and obviously I've, I'm sitting on a lot of product I could just sell at the store, but it's also nice to have it. Uh, this place says my local place sells pop figures, laptops, headphones, cards, Blu-rays, and posters. (laughs) I think you have to diversify to attract non-gamers. No, you don't need to diversify. You don't need to sell laptops and headphones, but headphones can have good markup. So it's not a bad idea. And people use headphones when gaming. So there's crossover there. Laptops makes no sense to me. Um, they're high ticket items and, uh, high chance for 
like returns and issues. Um, Blu-rays, um, the DVD and Blu-ray market's so oversaturated. If you don't have a, a warehouse size store to store all this crap, you don't want Blu-rays. Posters is a great idea if you have room for it. Again, this all takes room. This all takes square footage. And you have to decide what percent of my square footage do I want to dictate to what level of profit I'm getting from these products. And if you are wasting all this space on a product that makes you three bucks, would, wouldn't it be better served to maybe put a product that makes you $10 or something else? You know? Um, this one, uh, let's see, you know, there's a place called retribution in Fort Worth, Texas. I've never been there, but I kind of want to go there now. Uh, that's half retro games, half board and card games. They also do tournaments and let you sit at tables for tabletop RPGs like D and D. Um, which, which is cool, but again, that's square footage. So how much money is having somebody sit there and play D and D making for you? It's making you zero except on the things they buy when they're there. If you have a snack machine, soda machine, or in, in the case of like magic, the gathering, people will actually buy packs of cards, sit at the table, play a game. And if they're hanging out there, they might come and buy another pack of cards before they leave. So there is some money to be made there, but you know, that's always something I've looked at as a big, as a big no-no if you don't have a super big space and you're taking all this precious floor space that could be used for more profitable products you're kind of using it for something that doesn't generate profit for you but it's also part of building your clientele and if you build a clientele base and you have to do that by having tables for people to play then it makes sense um this person uh, goes on to say i hate going into gamestop or eb games and most of the stores fill with backpacks and mugs more room is allocated to this crap than actual games just pack the store with games, news, new and used for sale, maybe game consoles running new games. That's all you need. Um, I agree, except that the the issue with our business, like I've mentioned earlier in the podcast, is that we don't have a wholesale that we can go and buy used games from. And new games have almost zero profits. So if you want to spend a bunch of money and not make any money, that's what new games are for. If you you know, and, and used games, you only get what people sell to you. So it's, you know, you do want to fill your store with products that you can replenish whenever you want. So we carry a lot of accessories from video game advantage, from hyperkin stuff that like we can sell that supplements our inventory. There's things like plushies you can carry. These are all things you can buy that people will buy. We used to carry wall scrolls uh, the company, unfortunately closed. So we don't get those anymore, but like we used to have those all the time. You know, those are things that, you can replenish yourself. So as you sell them, you get more, you know, used games. You don't know necessarily when you're going to get replenished on something. Uh, let's see. And then there's this one, this one jerk off. Uh, he says, OP, feel free to DM me here on Twitter. I'd happily any open, answer any questions. I opened my own store 11 years ago and we're crushing it and sell locally only. I can go into every facet of the business. and would be happy to help Twitter at game trade. Greg. Oh, Oh, sorry. That was me. That was my comment. Sorry. <laughs> That's, uh, as to which he replied awesome i'll def keep you in mind thank you so much uh 20 days ago i have not heard from him so i i hope he's doing well i don't know i don't know it's like it's always odd to me when 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 you offer somebody like this level of free access and free advice like if you're really serious about running a business and someone says i've had my own business for 11 years we're killing it we don't sell on ebay and i'll happily run over every facet of the business with you and i would be happy to help and you don't even like reach out to that person that's wild but hey, whatever. Um, and then there was this comment. I didn't do anything with this comment, so maybe I liked it, maybe I didn't, but let's run it down real quick. Uh, it's such a fine line to actually be able to be profitable, be worth your time, and not come off horribly as either having to lowball everyone who tries to sell you or being overpriced. 
Back in the day, you could have supplemented inventory by hitting yard sales, maybe big lots on eBay, and that is a minefield now, especially since 2020. So many people try to be flippers and or resellers. That's very, very accurate. Everything said there is very true. Um, you used to be able to supplement inventory by going to Goodwill, yard sales, etc. Um, goes on to say, so someone comes in with a $100 game, you literally have to offer them $33 to have any profit margin. That's not true. And they're going to be like, I could sell this on eBay for 100 But if you offer more like 60 you just shrunk your margins. It's not even worth selling it on eBay now because fees and shipping will eat your margins. So it has to go on the shelf and can sit for a long time before you get the $100 versus instantly on eBay. Well, yeah, but here's the difference. If you have a $100 game and you paid 60 bucks for it, you shouldn't pay $60 for a $100 game that you think is going to sit on the shelf for a while. A $100 game that's going to sell right away, you can pay 60 bucks for it. If it's a $100 Coleco game or a $100 Atari 2600 game, yeah, you should probably be closer to 40 bucks on something like that because you're right, it's going to sit for a few months to a year until the right person comes along and buys it. Um, so you got to find that spot where you don't insult your customers but also leave a margin to operate. That's very accurate. This this comment is, is pretty good. Uh, then decide which items to keep in your store and which to sell online. Some games will move quick in store and others not, so you need to move that merch to online. Okay, I, I'm, I'm on board with this person's comment. And you definitely more, need more than just games. You need Funkos, eh, collectibles, eh, cards, eh, arcade one-up machines. Eh. You don't need any of that stuff. You don't need it. You don't need it. This person's saying you need arcade You need arcade one-up machines and you can charge like a quarter to use them like the good old days. Okay, this is where this comment has completely gone uh, wrong. Uh, anything you can actually buy at wholesale to have items on the shelf with a profit margin? Yes, but gaming-related you know you have to understand it's and it's not just because like man gamers don't want to go to a store and not have any games it's not that you have certain customers coming into your store so you have to find products that those customers are going to buy so if you have a bunch of people coming in buying like nes games no i don't recommend that you start carrying like scented candles even though they could probably use it in their house you don't you don't sell scented candles because it's not the same demographic of customer so it's weird that people just choose these like arbitrary things but to be fair funko pops collectibles cards and one-up machines would appeal to gamers that that is something that would appeal to them one-up arcade machines though eh, i don't know those are super expensive there's not a lot of margin on them and they kind of suck uh and then funko pops yeah people are nuts for funkos i just actively choose not to carry funkos because i don't want to but i'm sure i, I could have made a lot of money selling funko pops if i had in the past uh, let's see. Nowadays, every retro game store I know either sells on eBay too or sells Funk Pops, action figures, and 40K packages. That's Warhammer. Uh, Pokemon cards, stuffed animals, accessories also sell well. And as for every shop goes, stand out. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's true. Don't put stickers on your games like GameStop. Don't sell a regular Game Boy Color for 200 bucks like DK Oldies. <laughs> <laughs> look what collectors want and need and implement that as a business strategy hosting tournaments with prize works great to attract more attention yes it does but the but it costs money that space costs money uh let's see trading cards especially pokemon would be good sure um have an online social presence like tiktok or instagram to show off cool stuff yeah it's good advice uh truthfully you're asking a biased group online and won't get the best answers here <laughs> i like this comment already mostly game enthusiasts slash collectors when most of your customers will likely be more casual most of what you want is financial slash business related and for many of us here may not have real practical knowledge of running a business my god this person's very smart i like this person upvote for you that said try to figure out what you want to be throwing used video games under the same roof as other lines because it's all nerdy passions may not be a recipe for success agreed 
Seriously define what you want to focus on and develop a business plan. Smart. That includes figuring out your market, identifying what you'll do, and why you are different than your nearby competitors as well as online stores. All accurate and great information. Good job, whoever that is. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. Um, let's see. This person. I own several businesses myself. I'm going to do it in this voice because I already read this comment and it pissed me off. I own several businesses myself. Some I started from the ground up. Some I've purchased. Big rule to follow when opening and starting a business. Can my business be done 100% online? If the answer is yes, then do not do it. People sell games, figures, cards, etc. online with zero overhead. Best gaming type business to start in this environment is a barcade. Retro gaming arcade plus bar. I would not buy or open a game store unless it was strictly for hobby. <laughs> Fart on that guy. That's a stupid comment. Uh, with just games, you probably won't make it. Just look at established game stores and see what they're selling besides games. Well, here's the problem, too. If you look around and you've got really good game stores around, maybe don't open a game store because you can't just open one and be crap. You have to open one and be better than them. So that's also tough. Uh, this person, they say we, so I'm assuming they have a store. We do laptops, phones, game consoles, accessories, as well as repairs on those. I doubt a store could survive off just games. <laughs> Wrong. Um, I'm going to downvote that. You get zero now. Uh, I've seen a lot of game shops that also provide repair services and sell DVDs and collectibles. I do too, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. However, a little tip when it comes to offering repair services. I learned this from the video game repair guy who used to be in my building. He made a career off of fixing Red Ring of Death Xbox 360s. <laughs> and he told me, you know, one time he was talking, he said, you know, man, he's like, everybody who comes into my shop is just pissed off all the time. He's like, they got something that's broken. They don't want it to be broken. They want it fixed. They don't want to pay money to have it fixed, but they need it. And it's money they don't have. And I just went, yeah, man, that's a great point. So I, I don't like repairs because ultimately the people you're dealing with, it's hard to give them a great experience because even if you fix their system and even if it's as good as it was or better, they have to pay you for that repair. And they're ultimately, that's not something they want to do. It's like when you get your car fixed, like, like you don't want to get your car fixed. You want to pay for that. So you're typically in a negative mood. People who come to my store usually are in a very good mood. They're very positive because they're there of their own free will. They're there to typically spend money. Obviously some people are there to sell stuff because they need cash. It happens. But for the most part, you know, they're there because they want to be there. And that leads you to have a more positive shopping experience with these customers, which, which makes my job happier and better because, you know, I don't have to deal with a bunch of shit asses all day. Um, let's see. Uh, this guy said you need a low rent space to make, to, uh, to make it work. Um, which actually I just noticed the logo. <laughs> this is actually a friend of mine too. Hey, Hey Nick, if you, if you're listening. Um, so let's see, you need a low, low rent space to make it worth. Depends on what the community needs and wants. I don't think you could run a video game store with today's prices. Um, I would respectfully disagree. Um, you can, but it's a lot harder to get inventory in. So you have to have a pipeline to good inventory because you'll sell stuff faster than you'll take it in in the first year or two. So if you don't have enough inventory to sustain and you don't have enough money to buy the inventory when it comes in, then you will struggle. Um, as far as a low rent space, uh, I agree you got to be very aware of your rent prices. Unfortunately, um, sometimes low rent spaces mean that there's not good foot traffic, there's not good car traffic. Uh, or you might be in a rougher part of a neighborhood, which might mean you have to deal with theft issues and robbery issues. So it is like, yes, being aware of, of rent is very important. Um, unfortunately, you know, like being cheapest isn't always the best though. Just, 
food for thought. Like MySpace, I would say is in the upper half of expensive, but the amount of traffic that drives by my store. So if you've never been to De Pere where my store is, there's basically a one-way street that goes past my store. And that one-way street is the only way to go from the west side of town to the east side of town. It's the main bridge. So literally everybody driving from west side to east side, unless they want to go north or south 15 minutes, has to cross that bridge and has to drive by my store. So that makes it worth it for me to have a little more expensive space because of the, the traffic I'm getting. So everyone who drives by, they see my window decals, they see my big sign, they see video games, buy, sell, trade, they see Mario and Sonic on the windows, you know, like they see all this stuff, they see the warp pipe, like they see that and they go, okay, like this is a video game store, maybe I'll stop there sometime. So, you know, um, but anyway, thanks Nick for chiming in, dude, on that, on that, make it, making my show. I'll, I'll tag you on Twitter when I share this one and hopefully I didn't make you mad when I was talking about it. Um, let's see. You need at least a steady stream of merchandise for sale. Nick goes on to say, uh, and limited run games are probably your best bet when it comes to keeping game collecting folks coming in. Um, no, I guess I don't agree with that either, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't know what he means by that comment. Maybe I'll say, cause actually Nick's been on my podcast before. Um, and so I'll have to ask him what he kind of meant by that sometime. But, um, limited run collectors are a different level of collectors than retro game collectors. Uh, like there, there seem to be a different tier, um, more about FOMO and more about, um, like the monetary value of collecting than it is, um, childhood memories. Uh, obviously there's crossover, but, um, for the most part, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't get that one anyway. Um, this person said, I'm actually starting something up with a friend of mine. Our area is devoid of actual game stores aside from GameStop. <laughs> We're going to start selling online to save up and then have a storefront in the future. Sounds like a great idea. Hopefully they make a business plan and understand where their money's all going. This person replies, uh, brick and mortar store ga- game stores are failing. I honestly don't think it's a good idea. A gaming lounge with an alcohol license might be more feasible. Presented me as a bar and hangout than with gaming availability uh, no, I disagree strongly. Um, brick and mortar stores, again, aren't failing. It's the uh, idea that you can be a shitty store and not fail just because you have games is what's failing. Um, this person, make a place that people want to hang out, a place they can go and talk about their hobby with other collectors, an area to sit and play multiplayer games land style while others are browsing the shop. Uh, maybe even a workshop area with some equipment that people can pay to use to repair or mod their equipment. Um, I don't really like this at all. Uh, if I had unlimited space, I would totally have a lounge with places where people could hang out. But the truth is that you don't really want people hanging out. You want to turn customers over. You want people in, you want them to buy stuff. You want them out. You want other people to come in, you buy or sell something to them. You buy something from them, you sell something to them, and then you want them out. You don't really want people hanging around your store unless it is a collectible card game store where you make money off food and drinks and you're building like... Because those, those stores, the card stores, they do things like these Friday Night Magic and all this sort of stuff. So they want to build that up because they sell a bunch of cards and stuff on those events. So to build up those events, you have to have kind of like casual days during the week that build up to these big events on these big days. So like that's different from just a regular game store. But as a, an exclusively video game store like I am, I don't want people hanging out and staying in the store longer than they need to be. Um, it's, it's more distracting for your employees. You've got work to do. It's not meant to be like a hangout. Now that doesn't mean though, that I don't love chatting with people about games and I want people to stay in and have good conversations. But when you start talking about putting a lounge in with chairs, you're talking about people staying in there an hour plus, And that's not really what you want. Like I want someone to come in, chat with us for 15, 20 minutes about games and then bounce. 
they really shouldn't be in there much longer than that, you know, and, and them being there longer than that isn't making you more money, usually, unless you're basically just trying to convince them to buy something the whole time, which then you're not chatting about your hobby, you're just being a salesman the whole time, so, just my two cents, though, um, let's see, <clears throat> Uh, and then this one I had to reply because John was on this one also. Uh, this person had a thought and they thought, what if you offered CRT TV and monitor repairs? <laughs> and it just, you know, it was an, it, it, to be fair, it was an innocuous question. How many of those are around these days? Probably close to none. If you could learn and get someone who's experienced to offer such a skill, then that could be a huge bonus. Um, and then John did reply and he said, uh, fucking with crt tube tvs is dangerous as shit i don't know john must had a bad day at work he was really dropping a lot of swears in this one uh don't mess with the tube tv unless you know what you're doing exclamation point and john's not wrong i mean ultimately yes like it's very dangerous working with those things so like don't just pick it up as like a, hmm, let's play around and see what we can do but yes do i think it'd be cool to have like a tv repair shop like for old crts that people would want to buy because crts are coming back but that's also, they take up a ton of room. They are very, very heavy. <laughs> you know, again, what profit are you making to justify it? Um, let's see. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, repairing and modding services are also popular. I would agree with modding services. If, if you were going to do something like backlight GBAs, that's pretty easy. Um, even like adding HDMI out uh, or, or like, like, um, RGB mods to like old retro consoles, like that can be done, you know, but again, repair versus time versus space to have a workstation. I mean, all that stuff's got to come into play when you, when you make that decision. Um, let's see this guy's, uh, this person says store owner here. I mostly sell movies in store and on my website, but video games are a huge chunk of my business. I also have in 20 years, sold just about everything else you can think of nerd related. He goes on to say, what square footage are you talking about? That will shape a lot of what you can do. I like that comment already. A lot of my cohorts pair with either trading cards or board games, but I recommend carving out extra space for tables. If you choose board games and a large area to merchandise the product, card games, not so much, but board games take a lot of room. Also a really great point. Very big shelf presence. Uh, music and comics are also choices, but like others have said, comics are in a bad state right now. Um, uh, I kind of disagree with that, but it's kind of like video games where like comics are blowing out like 90s comics especially now are blowing up they're not worth a whole bunch so if you're trying to get them and resell them it's tough but if you had a bunch like if you were a comic book store from the last 15 years and you have a bunch like you're doing really well with them right now um this person just said i'm not sure how large yet i've only started looking around most stores for rent nearby are about 20k a year i i think 20k a year in south florida is probably not bad 1600 dollars a month i mean I don't know what he's expecting to pay in rent, but you know, I mean, he shouldn't be looking at how much because he's saying most stores for rent are 20,000 a year, but that's that, that it, it's, it's a dollar per square footage is what you pay. So is he only looking at the certain square footage or is he looking at a big warehouse that's old and falling apart? That's the same price as a little boutique shop that's downtown next to a, a sports stadium. You know, I don't know. Um, this person says, um, ever drives and flash carts make buying retro games a silly waste of money. I disagree. I had a chat with a local retro store manager, not the owner who I've known for a while. And he confided in me that he's selling his own collection since prices are crazy. And he's also getting ever drives. That is the way to go. Sorry. As much as I love retro gaming, a retro game store seems like a headache of a business. Uh, I disagree wholeheartedly, but it is still a business and it's still tough. It's not, it's not just because it's video games. It's fun and easy. Ask any GameStop employee. 
is your job easy, fun, and super amazing just because video games? No, it's not. <laughs> um, this person, I would set up tables in your excess space. Well, that's quite the, uh, that's quite the assumption that he has excess space. My store has not a lick of excess space right now. In fact, we're looking to expand. So hopefully we get to do that, but that's because, uh, we're, we're strong financially and we can support it. Um, let's see here. This person says, if you're willing to constantly buy, repair, and sell, it could be profitable on games alone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to repair though, but yes, you have to constantly buy and sell. I mean, that's kind of every business though. Um, this person, I think I'm going to love this person. The lounge thing never works in my experience. I see them open then close months later. Nobody really wants to play games that they can get at home. Um, well, I guess I kind of don't agree with that. I, I, I disagree with having a lounge, but th they tried to open one in town here. They tried to open a, like a gamer lounge where you rented like a setup and it was a TV with like a couch and a table and you could get food and you could like rent, rent it for two hours and just play games. And it's like, well, yeah, but what are you offering that the person doesn't get better at home? You know, that's the tough part about a business like that. Um, let's see. This person does not recommend comics, but should sell alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and it's here's the thing too and then someone says why not comics to which they reply there's only one comic store that's somewhat close to me about 20 minutes away which would be the only real competition um but comics don't sell like what do you okay i i don't know how they know that uh this person says comics just aren't collectible nowadays that's just not true that's absolutely not true my god what a, what a, what a horrible take um uh, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty much the whole thread. So, uh, yeah, this went a little longer than I thought it would, but mostly cause that DK oldies rant, but ultimately, you know, I'm very happy. I did what I did when I did it, but that was 2011. The, this, the game collecting retro game scene was totally different back then. I had a couple years of being a little slower to build up my clientele, to build up my customer base. And then this isn't trying to be arrogant, but through my customer service, I brought a bunch of customers into my circle of life fold. So it wasn't just that I was a retro game store. I offered something other stores didn't. It was a personable, fun environment with a very knowledgeable person who was passionate about games. Okay. And that's not just enough. You have to be able to talk to people. You still have to be a salesman. You have to be, you know, you have to be charismatic and you have to be able to talk to people. Uh, and that's why I was successful. Um, you know, just having a game store won't make you successful. Um, but if you're a good game store, you can be very successful. And I know of two other game stores that are successful that follow the exact same model that I do. We don't sell stuff online. We only keep stuff in store. And right now we are all very successful. And, and so it's not just me in my case. Like, yes, it's, it's anecdotal still because it's just the people I know. But in this area, we've got three game stores within an hour of my store that are all killing it and doing great. So should you open a game store in this day and age? That's a tough question to answer because it depends on a lot of factors. Um, but I don't think the automatic answer is no. You know, I think it's kind of disingenuous to say like, no, I shouldn't do that or follow my dream. But you know, it's a lot of things to consider. Like, should I, like, do I want to be my own boss? Do I want all the responsibility of every facet of my business on my shoulders? And I'm saying this as somebody who has that. And it is difficult, very challenging sometimes. Like sometimes you just can't get enough work done in a day. You know, you just feel like you're there all day and you didn't get anything done because the day-to-day -day operations you still have to do too. Not to mention all this, all the office end stuff. So, um, is, is it fun working in a game store? Yes. Is it work? Yes. Is it more work than fun? Yes. Um, at the level we're at right now, I don't remember the last time I was so slow that I just popped a game in and played it for fun. 
um, over the last, especially over the last couple of years, we've been slammed. And I just, I actually just hired two new people, two new full-time people. I have a full-time staff of six people right now to run my, my shop. And it still feels like not enough sometimes, but right now we're buying a lot of stuff because the summer, the summer hits and normally you buy a lot of stuff during the summer anyway, but the last few summers we didn't because of COVID. And now I think we're getting almost like a, a threefold summer sell-off and we're getting just every day we're getting hammered with trades, but you know what? That's great. Cause one, the more trades you get, eventually prices start to come down, which is good for everybody. Even the store selling it contrary to what you might believe. We prefer to sell cheaper games. Trust me. Um, and also we're loading up for the holiday. And once Christmas comes and tax time next year comes, we are going to be just putting fistfuls of money in the bank from the stuff we're buying right now. So we're in a good position. We're strong. I love it. Very happy. Very happy. I did it. But, um, you gotta have a plan. You gotta have a plan. I wrote out a business plan. I actually took it to a couple banks looking for loans and stuff. Didn't get one, <laughs> but I tried, uh, you know, and I had a business plan. I understood all my expenses. I understood what I would, ha- I've basically figured out the cost it would take me to run the business for one whole year. Um, and I, I got enough money for my business to run off of one year without making money. And then after that, I told myself the business is going to have to, it, the business is going to have to maintain itself. And it did, um, got lucky, worked really hard and got really lucky. Those two things combined will make you successful. Um, all right. Hey, that's it, man. I, I, uh, don't have much of a, of a pickup pile because I've been picking up so much. Uh, what I will highlight a little bit is, uh, we had a really awesome Sega Saturn lot come in and I was able to put in Dragon Force and Guardian Heroes, which are two very heavy hitters for the Saturn, which I had been missing for a while. Um, I'm still cracking away at PS1. Um, it is a lot. I've got 650 games about now for PS1. About 100 of those are imports, though. But PS1's been flowing. Every every time I go to a store now, I find some unique-looking PS1 game that I must buy. It was great. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty cool. But uh, other than that, you know, the stores, the store's super busy. We're doing great. Um, you know, it's, it's, we actually did some reduced hours for the summers. I wanted to get my guys a little bit of time off. So right now we're all working a little less, but because we close earlier and we're closed on Mondays, the store is busier when we're open. So it actually feels busier than it did before we had less hours being open. It's kind of stupid. What's what happened, but it's okay. Um, obviously being successful is good. So uh, if you want to open up a game store, uh, that's more than a hundred miles away from me, I would love to help you reach out anytime. Um, you can DM me on Twitter. I'm at game trade, Greg, you can message me on Reddit. Uh, I'm brothers insanity, which is my old, um, YouTube channel from way, way, way back in the day. Um, and, uh, but yeah, or, you know, you can, um, I'm, you could probably message me on SoundCloud or Spotify. Maybe I don't know how that works, but just reach out on Twitter at game trade, Greg. And, um, you know, appreciate it. Appreciate all the follows. And I will, and, and as always, I appreciate everyone listening and hanging out. Um, I know it's been a couple weeks since my last one. So, uh, a little bit longer wait than I like to do. I said I was going to do more during the summer and I'm not going to say anything ex- too exciting yet, but another, another interesting conversation has been coming around and I've been thinking about having my friend Jack as a guest on the podcast to talk about it. So we might do that. And so you might even get this game talk radio and then get another one really quickly if we get to it. So, um, but as always, I do so appreciate all of you so much for listening and taking the time and hanging out with me while I nerd out about my favorite thing in the whole world, which is, um, video games and my business in particular. So thank you very much as always for listening and watching. Have a good one. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.